Very good to see Bikuni Palanyani, and I would like to request request her to clarify my confusion. My confusion is how we bhava tanha can be explained in the context of sentient beings striving to free themselves from samsara, striving to attain nirvana. Whether it is good to have we bhava tanha to break free of bhava jati. <sighs> I think if do you understand this, the question? Um, or I'm just pondering over if I understand the question. I I think I do. Okay. Um, because I think the idea is that striving for nibbana is striving for extinction, right? Mm -hmm. So this this could be considered vibhavatanha. Yeah. That's the assumption here. Right? I. I don't want to say, because I, I'm not a Pali expert, so I don't want to say that Vibhava Tanha is uh, the exact thing that you need uh, in, to have in your mind <coughs> in order to uh, break free from the rounds of, of rebirth or to, to get rid of your... Uh, um, um, clinging so that you can overcome becoming and birth. Um, but what you need is a certain wanting to practice. You need to have that deep desire to practice and to meditate and to strive to be free from samsara and to attain nibbana. Otherwise you wouldn't have the the power, the force to go through all the things that may arise during your course of of uh, meditation. There are many people, uh, many things coming up in your mind, uh, which will make you wanting to give up, wanting to run away, wanting to clean first, and wanting to do do this and that, and. Um, so it is important to keep the mind with the de desire to become enlightened fixed on the goal, on the uh, goal Nibbana. Um, but I don't think that Tanha or is, is the right word for it. So uh, because Tanha is more like a lust or so, and, and that's probably not the correct desire in that sense. Um, uh, vipava tanha is the desire to uh, to be. To not be. Uh, to not be, of course. And um, I think that is both the desire to be to be free from suffering or the desire <coughs> not to be uh, in this samsara anymore is is really what it needs. It needs more clarity than um, the lust that uh, 
bhava or vibhava tanha has. So it, I would say it's more a chanda if we want to use Pali terms. I would maybe use t uh, chanda in order to to um, what you need to strive to get uh, to nibbana. But I think uh, Bhante can explain far better than I. So please. Start telling me about Vibhavatanha. No, I don't have much um, much from a technical point of view to mention. I want to use this as an opportunity to talk about what we were talking about in regards to the metta thing. Because it came up this morning, at this early this morning I was with a group from Los Angeles. And they asked a question. We have three questions here, and I want to link them together. I'm going to show you the three questions and link them together with one concept, because it seems to be more and more that this is the it's the same problem that's occurring on many different fronts. This morning, the the, the question was about equanimity. You know, we want to develop equanimity, but then what place does joy have? in the uh, in the practice. So if, if we're just going to be equanimous, well then what happens to our joy? The question today, or it wasn't a question, but the question that sort of arose in my mind was um, if, if a person has defilements in their mind, what good is it to practice loving-kindness meditation? What what good is the actual practice of loving kindness meditation when they don't really mean it? Right? You sit down and you say it, but but you're, it's a it's a it's a artifice, it's an artifice. It's artificial. You say you have these people. Oh, I wish for everyone to be happy, and then you get them practicing vipassana and they explode into anger and and frustration, and they say oh, then they they get quite turned off by vipassana because they think that it's making them an angry person. And the question here now is this question that always comes up. You say we want to give up craving. Well, what about the craving to become enlightened? What about the desire to become enlightened? And someone asked, I think, we get all sorts of questions from everywhere. Most of them we don't answer. I don't answer, like on YouTube or here. Or there. Far too many. But there was one interesting one today about, I think asked on the forum recently, some, something along this line. Um, anyway, we get this in in many different forms. So, so let, let's go over these. The, the answer that came, comes to mind is the same in all three. We have to understand the difference between an emotive state and an in intellectual state. I think is quite important. The first thing you need to do, the Buddha said, before you begin to practice, is set your mind in right view and morality. Okay, we we'll put morality aside. Let's look at this concept of right view. Right view is actually what comes at the end. It's the realization of the Four Noble Truths. A sotapanna has right view. A person who has become enlightened, they have right view. But here the Buddha is saying, before you start, you need to have right view. Most definitely, what he what he's referring to is, is intellectual right view. This is why listening to the Dhamma is important in the beginning. This is why... Um, reciting the Buddha's teaching is important to change the way you're looking at things. The question about Upeka, the answer there is when a person is equanimous, it doesn't mean they feel equanimity or the equanimous feeling. Sankarupekanyana, this 
the highest state of vipassana insight before you enter into nibbana doesn't mean you you always have a, a neutral feeling it means when there is a happy feeling you see it with equanimity that's a happy feeling you don't judge it intellectually there arises no well, there arises no intellectual in intellectual activity there's no oh this is my good feeling and when there's a painful feeling you see it equanimously indifferently or or impartially sorry is the word so we use the word equanim equanimous and you say an enlightened person is always equanimous and you say well that's kind of dull no what what about joy and as we learned in abhidhamma yesterday enlightened people actually experience joy they smile and when they smile there's joy it's a somanasa sahagata jitta it's associated with a pleasant feeling but even that pleasant feeling the arahant doesn't become attached to it and that's what we mean by equanimity it means the the mind the intellectual activity is seeing oh this is a happy feeling seeing it as a happy feeling with loving kindness the reason I think why it actually might be good for people to practice at certain times loving-kindness meditation <coughs> is not necessarily because they're going to develop loving-kindness um, out of it, even though they might, is that it changes the way they look at the situation. So before they practiced the meditation, they were thinking, not, they were not only angry at, this is what I explained, my idea today, they were not only angry at the person, but they also had this idea or this feeling or this intellectual idea that it was uh, that that person deserves or I didn't deserve what that person did to me or the, the idea that this is this is how it should be this I'm so angry at this person or just the idea I'm so angry at this person and when you sit down and say may that person be happy you're like but 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 no I want the person to suffer so you 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 may not change the anger but you change, and this is what you really feel, especially if you put it with vipassana meditation. Because when you practice vipassana meditation, it's very easy to lose sight of the view. You see the anger. Okay, I'm very angry at this person. So you say to yourself, angry, angry. But deep down you're like, man, I want to really, really hurt that person when you change your view and you, or you feel self-righteous about it you say you know that person how could they do that to me how could they do that to me and you just say angry angry and it doesn't go away because you're still thinking how could they do that to me that person's such an evil person or so on and when you practice loving kindness you say may that person be happy you're changing your idea you're changing your outlook you're changing the intellectual activity so you might still be angry but you say oh look at this Look at this anger that I have inside. You're no longer thinking about the person. You've, you've diffused that intellectual activity. You've changed the way you see the anger, the way you see the situation. And I think that can help. These two are not what, what you're asking, but <clears throat> when we talk about desire for becoming enlightened, wanting to practice, um, the... Um, desire you know des desire or wanting or or attachment even to the practice you don't need a emotion of clinging right and i, I think I'm, i've said this before in, in a video or somewhere it's like 
when you say you want to become enlightened, but well, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that here's enlightenment. You say, "Ooh, that's wonderful. That's mine. That's good. I want more of that. I want to get that." Why we say you have desire for become enlightened, and why people can appear to have great desire to become enlightened? Because consider the desire to become a movie star, totally tainted with with not the desire to be a movie star, the desire to have people say, oh, you're so beautiful, and oh, can I have your autograph, and feeling good about yourself, and uh, having people esteem you, and having money, and having fame, and having power, and so on. This is why we want to be famous. The reason why we want to become enlightened is totally different. There is none of that lust, none of that greed. There is none of the tanha involved. Tanha takes an object. What is the object of wanting to become enlightened? If it's tanha, what is the object of the tanha? Nibbana? You don't even know what nibbana is. It can arise for a meditator that they think, um, boy, if I were enlightened, then people would esteem me, then everyone would look at me, and then I'd be able to teach people, and so on. And that's a kind of a tanha. That's a kind of a craving. Or you can you can have this this um, pain, nubibhava tanha, and you say, Oh, this pain is so awful, I wish it would go away. That's vibhavatanha. The pain is the is the object and you want for it to go away. And it, this actually gets quite close to a, a something positive, right? Because the Buddha said, well, we want to be free from suffering. So isn't it that when you experience pain, you think, no, no, go away. Absolutely not. That has no benefit. The Buddha said, parinyayanti, dukkasum, dukkasum, this noble truth of suffering has to be fully understand, understood, seen thoroughly. means when there's pain, you have to say, okay, let's look at the pain. When there's anything arises, you have to be able, willing to see it objectively for what it is, thoroughly and completely see it for what it is. What do we mean when we say desire to practice and the intention to practice and the, the strong, as Bhikkhuni said, we can become a very strong, you know, uh, you know, emphatic desire to become enlightened is intellectual. It, it's not quite in, intellectual, but it's it's in the mind. It has nothing to do with the sensation of of liking something or wanting something. You see suffering. You see what's going on in your mind. You see your attachments. You know where they're going to lead. And the more you see, the more you know, the stronger is this uh, chanda. But it isn't tanha, it's just a mind state that arises with intense energy and effort directed towards the practice. This single-pointed uh, goal of becoming enlightened, not because you think, ooh, that's going to be delicious, or that's going to be beautiful or something, but saying... This is suffering. This is suffering. This is the cause of suffering. That's the cause of suffering. And letting it go, and 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 uh, leaving off uh, of the activity of, of attaining it, and seeing this is the way to cessation of suffering. This is the way to freedom. This is the correct thing to do. It's an intellectual. It's it's the knowledge that this is the right way, and. That knowledge can be quite powerful. It leads to chanda, the the contentment with the practice. It leads to virya. It leads you to have great effort in the practice. But it's not like I'm got to get away from this suffering. This is horrible. It's 
it's totally impartial, really. You're you're impartially uh, active, right? People we don't understand that because you think, well, if you have all that energy and all that 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 can, that zest and that zeal, you must want it, you know. And that's why they think if you're going to go off and live in the forest as a monk, man, those guys be, must be really attached to being a monk and being enlightened, becoming enlightened. But it doesn't have to be that way. When you see things clearly, the same effort arises out of knowledge, out of wisdom. The, the more you know that something is proper, the more of your energy you're going to put into it. And if you see this is the only thing that, that has meaning, that has benefit, the amount of effort that you can put into it is, is quite amazing, actually. Meditators, they come, sometimes we ask our meditators to you know, practice meditation continuously. And maybe they sometimes they go with little sleep or they don't even sleep. And they think, oh, that's horrible, that's terrible. And then sometimes you find them later on saying, I'm just going to practice all night and just do meditation and doing it by themselves. And they think, ah, this is, this is great, this is wonderful. Because they see, they see that this is the way. They don't have desire. There's not something that they're saying, "Oh, this is going to be nice." It's, it, it is, or, or and they also don't have this. Sorry, you're, on your side, you're talking about vibhavatana. Vibhavatana has an object that you get upset about. You don't. You 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 want it not to exist. It can be associated with, uh, or it can be followed by patiga, which is the anger minds. But even an anagami has vibhavatana, which means they still have this desire for things not to be. When a person becomes an arahant, they they become an arahant not because of the vibhavatana, but in spite of it. The reason why they become the the, the arahant is not because of their desire. Oh, this suffering may, or these bad things may they go away. It's the knowledge that this is useless, this is meaningless, and that this is the correct way. The the, the path out of suffering is the correct way. The vibhavatana is just a a, a coarse side effect that that is you know an um, a desire based mind and it actually had the reper repercussions of it are that to be reborn this is why the anagami will still be reborn because they have bhavatana and vibhavatana they still have partiality anyway I I I, I hope that helped anything else while you were t uh, speaking about it, I remembered the story of Ananda, who who was, but I unfortunately can't remember any of uh, the sutta where where it was. But he said uh, he explained very exactly that you need the wanting in order to overcome the wanting, mm. um, the wanting to practice in order to become enlightened mm -hmm. and lose the wanting. Um, and the other thing was, uh, I was thinking of that um, the Buddha catched his cousin Nanda with a trick. Mm. Um, uh, we talked about this one before, no, we mm -hmm. had this video before. So, uh, in the beginning, when the person is, is uh, new to meditation, doesn't know anything about it, the uh, the desire can come from everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, it can even be caught by a trick 
and lead you into this direction as the Buddha uh, did it with his cousin Nanda mm -hmm. and the Buddha told him oh you can have a, a celestial beautiful being even um, more beautiful than your bride that is crying for you there now I'm, I'm short, uh, cutting this mm. story very short now um, and uh, Nanda trusted kind of the Buddha and practiced meditation because of uh, bhava tanha, because of wanting and, and tanha and desire, and he became enlightened. And so um, yeah, but but okay, but let's let's look first at Ananda. Ananda Ananda's story. He's talking about a specific type of of, of desire. And and w this is why he, it's not that he says you have desire for getting rid of desire. He says this is the kind of desire that that leads to that desire ceasing. It doesn't mean that you can have tanha lead you to be free from tanha. It means there is something that we call desire. Because Ananda, he even uses the simile. He, said, he, he, he inserts it in there. I don't know the Pali words, but he said, did you have the desire, didn't you have the desire, the intention? Because mm -hmm. he's explaining it's not desire, it's it's just an intention to come here. You didn't think, oh, that sexy Ananda, I'm going to go to see him. You thought, it would be good for me to go to see Ananda today. That's not tanha. There's not necessarily the craving for it to arise or the attachment to it. There can arise the thought, this is appropriate to do now. And then there's the walking and then there's the going. Once you get there, then the intention has been fulfilled. I, I still think, you, you know, I'm obviously not the the uh, authority on this, but that, that what is being talked about here is the intele intellectual, this would be good, or this would be appropriate, which doesn't necessarily have to have tanda. Now, with Nanda, he didn't become enlightened thinking that he was going to become an, an, a, a god with celestial nymphs surrounding him. What the Buddha did was was mo more devious than that. Nanda, Nanda had tanha in him, kama tanha. His his wife was Janna Janna Pada Kalyani, the the beauty of the land. That's what her name meant. It probably wasn't even her name. It was just the beauty of the most beautiful woman in the country, Miss Miss India, you could say. And. Uh, so so who wouldn't do? He was always thinking about her and he was always unhappy as a monk. And so what did the Buddha have to do? What the Buddha did is showed him his lust. He, he, so, so okay, took him to heaven, gave him all this lust in these angels. Ooh, these angels, they're wonderful, these nymphs, these dove-footed nymphs. Well, they will be yours. And so you think, well, somehow that was helpful. But no, what was helpful was what he did next. He went around to all the monks and said, "Hey, guess what? Guess what I did? Nanda is, uh, or, or it doesn't say that the Buddha did that, but the monks found out about it. And because the monks found out about it, well, what do you think that did to him? How do you think that made him feel? When all all of the monks were saying, "Oh, so here's this hireling, this person who practices meditation for uh, a bribe," and that was what made him change his mind. That's what made him feel ashamed and decide to uh, you know, realize how disgusting this was. 
the other the other part of how disgusting and how you can see how disgusting is one of the reasons why I ended up running away to Thailand to, to become a monk is because uh, it was exactly that I thought I was in love with someone you know, in love with this person and then someone else comes along boop oh yes this person and someone else comes along this person I found myself you know the mind was just going crazy with this desire for for one thing and then another and you realize that truly what the Buddha said was right the mind desire is like a fire you can't save a fire let it stay in this tree and not go to that tree I'm gonna light a fire and it's only gonna stay in this wood and this wood even if this wood touches the fire this wood isn't going to burn or you can light a fire and say let it stay in this in the in the logs and not go to the grass or let it not go to the leaves on the ground or let it not uh, you know, spread to other things you can't say this of desire you can't say this of a fire and so for sure he must have seen this because he was he, this is the other the intellectual side of it right so he had the lust for her but he also had the intellect thinking the view thinking she's she's my wife and she's my soulmate right people always talk about their soulmates and it's kind of funny because the mind is so fickle right you can you can mourn about someone for years and you can forget about someone in a moment and uh, so, so when when the Buddha showed him the dove-footed nymphs, he must have felt kind of silly, right, about all of this. Oh, maybe she wasn't my soulmate after all. Well, then who's my soulmate? And you give up the the, the view about this desire has some meaning that a wife, mean, a husband and wife, has some meaning that um, you know the life of a householder has some meaning, the life of human beings and procreation and so on has some meaning because suddenly it's totally taken out of context and all that's left is his desire for dove-footed nymphs which which you know is, is ridiculous really and I would be willing to bet that that had much more of uh, um, a part to play in his enlightenment but you know I just don't want to say that defilements can lead to enlightenment I, I mentioned that story because um, it's this is one one thing you, uh, uh, it is one thing that when you don't know anything about meditation mm -hmm. there can be a kind of um, incentive mm -hmm. that that makes you want to practice and then um, the other thing is once a person becomes a stream enterer Nibbana becomes the object so mm. things change once you get on a path right. uh, you won't do that for for mm. nymphs anymore mm. um, but you, you know what you're going for because you, you have a glimpse of it mm. but but the, the it's an interesting idea and it's one that I'm sure is endorsed um, I could probably even. Th I, it seems to me that there are many examples of how this sort of thing works, but you have to be careful in practice because you see in 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 Buddhist countries, for example, where they do this kind of thing, and then you get very very corrupt monks that come. the The reason a person is able to become a sotapanna or not become a sotapanna, not every meditator or or monk or so on will 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 ever even come close has to be because of the good things that they've done in the past. It has to have the supportive conditions. Yes, the person who is practicing doesn't know what they're what they're going towards. 
but they have the um, they're they're able to figure it out as they go along, and they're, when they're given the advice and the instruction in meditation, they're able to um, follow the advice and to to follow after it. Now, craving, considering that it's an, it's a habit forming uh, mind state, you know, it, it wouldn't lead one to understand reality.